again, I want to welcome those that are watching online. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in, and I really pray that God blesses you. Uh, I want to just share with you a story uh, that, um, that God's placed on my heart, and this story takes place in a difficult time in the life of David. Uh, David, we, we know the story of David. We, um, you may or may not be familiar with it, but he, he came up, he grew up as a shepherd boy. There was a story where he, he faced Goliath, and then uh, after, and, and he was crowned king, he faced Goliath, uh, and then eventually he became king. But it's the time in, the, in between when he faced Goliath was one of those most difficult periods in his life. And you would think sometimes that to be anointed or have somebody anoint you or to have something, release somebody, uh, something over your life, you would think it goes plain sailing from there. But for David, it didn't. He got anointed king, but he had to become king in his heart. He had to go through a process. He had to go through uh, a major, some, some highs and some very deep lows in order for him to become the king that God had for him to be, become. And I know for every person here, uh, God uh, gives us promises. God anoints us. God uh, places dreams and, and giving us words. But often you'll find that there is uh, a massive valley that you have to go through in order to get through there. And uh, so this story takes place in a time where David, uh, he had been anointed king, he had, he, had, he had won a great big victory, but then there came a time where he had to hide. And this, sees, this story is found in the time where the Bible says that David hid in the, in the cave of Adullam. Uh, say in the historically, the historically the cave of Adullam is a place where David spent the majority of his time hiding from King Saul. What an amazing fall to go from one being anointed to becoming a hero of a nation and then to be hunted like a dog where there was nowhere else for you to run to. And if you're unfamiliar with knowing how to read the Bible, what are the, the reason these stories are here, sure they may have happened historically, but there are principles in the Scripture here that are written here for us to, to get something out of. They are written in Scripture for you to learn from the situation. You and I may not face a physical nine, 10 foot giant, but you'll face similar things that are like a giant for you. You may not literally go and hide and need to find refuge in a cave, but sometimes you'll find yourself in a cave of another sort. You may not be hunted by a, a mad king, but you could be hunted by a debt collector. <laughs> you could be hunted by the things of your past. You could be hunted by a lot of things. There may be a place where you've got nowhere else to run to. This is the place that David found himself in. But interesting, it says here that in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, that says that 400 men all of a sudden appeared and found that cave with him. It says 400 men gathered unto David that were distressed, that were in debt, that were discontented, and David became their leader. Interesting that you'll find that such a king, even though he found himself alone in a cave with no one else to run, that a whole pile of other men, they were also refugees. They were renegades. They were people in debt. They were people in distress. They were people with troubled lives. Came out of that place and joined David in his cave. But the thing is, these men never stayed in the place of defeat. Sure, they had a cave time. Sure, they experienced debt. Sure, they experienced depress, depression. Sure, they experienced a whole bunch of a broken world that had gone around. For most of these guys, their whole lives have collapsed around them. There was nowhere else for them to turn to. 
There was no house that was provided for them. Many may have lost their families. Many were in debt. Many were in distress in all sorts of different ways. The thing is, you'll find that many of us will find ourselves in that place at some point in our life. Whether it's in a physical debt, like you, you literally owe money, or you find yourself in an emotional debt, there's an emotional deficit in your life. Maybe you find you're distressed, but you're tormented with this, that, and the other thing. Many people, many men find themselves in this place where they're distressed. They can look good on the outside, but on the inside, their world is collapsing. I can tell you now, I've met a whole pile of people on the outside that look it's like they're successful. It looks like they're wealthy. It looks like they're a success. But on the inside, they are crying out. <laughs> on the inside, on the look at the credit card, it is stacked up to the maximum. They've got debtors chasing them. They're, uh, they're emotionally broken there. They've got broken families. The whole world has fallen apart. But they didn't stay that way, the Bible says. You know, we know the story that as the story goes, that they emerged from that cave. They went into the cave broken and debt and, dis and, and desolate. But they came out of that cave. The Bible des describes them as mighty men of valor. And all the ladies said, yeah. <laughs> they went into the cave in, de in debt and distress and as refugees, but they came out as men of valor. They came out as men of honor. They came out as men of of stature, they came out of that cave carrying honor and carrying glory that last that we read about for this generation. Friends, it doesn't matter where you have come from, it doesn't matter what your state may be right now at this moment. God has called you to be a man of honor, God does not call you to remain in the place of defeat. God has called you and I to keep growing and to become out of our cave, out of our debt, whether it's an emotional debt, whether it's a spiritual debt, whether it's a, a financial debt, whether it's a distress of a broken family or depression or a, a, a just lost in life. God caused, that is not the plan that God has for you to remain in that way. Hello? Hello? God has called you, man, to be a man of honor, and you, woman, to be a, a woman of honor. They came out of that cave, and my heart for you today is whatever cave that is calling you right now, that you would emerge as a woman, as in a man of honor. You can. Young people, you can do this. And, and, there's a, and, and so we're going to go into the Scripture, uh, and it says in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 9, one of the things you'll find about this piece of Scripture is where it's located. It's kind of located at the end of Samuel, but you'll find that it's, it's located at the end immediately following David's last words. When David's last words are spoken, where the last words are, are, are spoken, they were there giving honor to a great king. And so immediately following that, you find these guys that were once in distress and debt. It's interesting that where David's name was as a great king, these guys' names were there as well. That's symbolic of, uh, of this. When you can make the decision to come out of your cave and to, uh, and to follow what these men did, you will find that wherever you go, you'll find that your name will, be, uh, will carry honor as opposed to dishonor. Doesn't matter where you are. You may be here this morning and may be carrying a bracelet around because of some bad decisions that you have made. 
You may feel a place of dishonor. Friends, that is not the plan that God has for you. God's got a better plan. God wants to shift that over your life. The Bible says this, and after him was Eliezer. Uh, uh, Sonny, let's go, around, go and get my sword over the back there. Yeah, yeah, Sonny, yeah, yeah. Go around the back there. There's, a, there's still a bit of blood on it, so just. Nah, it's not, it's just a bit of rust. <laughs> and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Look at this. You like that? You like that one? It's called a claymore from William Wallace. And it says here, and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for a battle. And as the men of Israel retreated, when the men of Israel retreated, he arose, somebody say he arose. And he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And the Bible says this, until his hand stuck to the sword. In other words, he swung the sword so hard and held onto it so tight that the Bible says that he could not literally let go of it. One group of men took off. But this boy here, the Bible says that he held on until his hand, he couldn't let go of it anymore. He attacked, he arose in his heart, attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Hagi, the Hararite. And the Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Somebody say a piece of ground. A piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. In verse 12, but he set himself. Somebody say, set himself. In the middle of the field. Somebody say, in the middle of the field. And he defended it and killed the Philistines, so the Lord brought about a great victory. The same story is also told in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 12. It's interesting that there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of a confusion about the, the interpretation of it, but you can get an idea of what's going on. It says here in verse 12, and next to him was Eliezer the son of Dodai, and one of the three mighty warriors. And he was with David when the Philistines gathered there together for battle at a place where there was a field full of barley. Somebody say a field full of barley. Full. Somebody say full. Full. A field full of barley, and the troops fled from the Philistines. But they took their stand in the middle of their field. Somebody say in the middle of the field. And they defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. You can get a picture of what's going on in here. One of the stories is told uh, several hundred years later from the prophet, uh, I think it's from the prophet Hosea. But you'll find that the story is still the same. Essentially what happens here is there is a field the Bible describes as, uh, one version says lentils, the other version says barley, but essentially it comes from the same word. There is a harvest field, and the Bible says that it was full of harvest. Full, not half empty, not a little bit here and a little bit there. The Bible says that there was a, a field 
full of harvest. I want to encourage you this morning today that for every man, for every woman, hold on there, there is a field full of harvest for you. You don't sound too excited. I'll have it then. There is a field of harvest that is full that God has prepared for you. There is not a person in this room today that God has not prepared a harvest that is filled, filled of grain for you. There is a field that God has prepared for us. Yes! But right in the middle of that field, there wasn't just one giant, but there was a pile of Philistines. You will find that in the middle of your harvest, in the middle of your field that is full of barley, you'll find that there is a whole pile of Philistines. What we do know is this, they are not actual Philistines as as in the Bible. But every one of us will face a Philistine to a certain extent. Not just one, but a whole pile of them. And they are in your field. They are in our field. Interesting, the Bible says here, One, we find this, that every person has a cave of defeat that you can run to. Every woman, every young person, every man has a cave of defeat, a cave of despair that you can run to. There's a cave of pain that you can hide in. Or... There is a field that is full of harvest for you to inherit. As a church, there is a place of pain, there is a place of defeat that we can hide in. Or there is a great field outside, a great harvest that God has for us that we've got to inherit. It's full of Philistines, but it's ours, it's yours. There's a great field that is open for you. The Bible says that it was full of barley. It wasn't just half full. It wasn't just a a small amount. It was full. I pray that one day, at this moment, even in this time, that the Holy Spirit would open up your eyes, that He would open up our eyes to see how big that harvest is for us. Some people, when their heart is full of fear, they don't see it. But when you come into an agreement where I am who I say that he says I am. The earth is his, there is a harvest for me. There is a harvest for you, there is a harvest for us as a church. You think 300 people is a full harvest? Absolutely not, I am looking for the nation. Hello? There is a field full of barley. There is a harvest field. There is an end zone. There is a try line that God has for you to cross over. But you'll find that some people have the option to run away. 
that field, there is an internal harvest field in our lives. There is a field in our heart. There is a field that is full of barley in our, in our heart right now, in the heart of every person here. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you receive his spirit inside of your heart, by golly, he releases something immensely powerful inside of your heart. In your heart, there is a field that is bigger than you could ever imagine. There is a, a field that is bigger than you could ever, ever thought, and it's full. But the problem is these Philistines that get in there, and they try and rob the harvest or stop you from inheriting it. There is an internal in our emotions, in our thought life. One of the Philistines that gets in our thoughts is this, poverty. A Philistine that gets into your imagination, into your emotions, could be depression. It could be demonic things, but religion can be a, 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 a Philistine that gets around us. If you believe here today that God is, a, he, he is your Father in heaven and He is the God of more than enough, then you are more than able to own your own home. If you believe that, there is no reason why you cannot own your own home freehold plus an investment property or two. That's just one example. The problem is if your thought life has come to a point where you're coming into an agreement is I'm not smart enough or this is my, you, th this is my a lot, this is, is as far as I go in life. I don't have the capacity to you know, a great amount of income. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You may have been told that you're not good enough. You may have even had some silly marks from the examiner that said, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean squat. There is more in you than what you could ever think or imagine. There are some people here today and you are coming in an agreement with those Philistines. You'll find that this, there's a whole bunch of, so there's a, a field that's an internally in our, in our own emotions. If you're walking around uh, if there's no joy inside of your life, if there's no overflow of peace, if there's no overflow of prosperity, if there's no overflow in your life of happiness and peace, then somewhere in the, inside of you there is a Philistine opposing you. That harvest field is internally. There's a harvest field that is spiritual. There is gifts that God has put inside of your life, gifts that God has made available for you. Some of you are called to be preachers. Some of you are called to be apostles. Some of you are called to bring hope into your people. Some of you are called to bring massive transformation into this nation. That's the harvest field that God has for you. But there is a Philistine. There's a whole bunch of them that you've got to get through. But you can do it. You can do it. The Bible says there is a, and I believe there is a, uh, there is a, um, and, and, and externally there's a, there's a harvest field around us. There is a harvest field that's, fin that's, that's in finances. There is a harvest field in your, in, in your children. There is a harvest field in your marriage. There is a harvest field in your sphere of influence. Wherever that harvest field is, that can be manifest in any part of your life. What would it be like for you to walk in the fullness of the harvest that God has for you? That you could walk emotionally full. Yeah. 
emotionally sound. You don't struggle with depression anymore. What would it feel like for you to walk in the things of God, to walk in the supernatural dimension of God? What would it feel like for you to walk in a healthy marriage, in a wholesome marriage, where you're working together instead of fighting together? What would it feel like for you to walk with children that are full of the the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit and not having to see a psychologist at six years old? What would it feel like? That, my friend, is a harvest that God has for you. That is the harvest field. I love, I love watching my mum and dad and watching dad minister. I'm thinking that is a harvest field that he has inherited and fought for. <laughs> we all have the option to run away. You notice most of these guys ran away, but two stood in the field. Let me tell you, leaders never, ever run away from nothing. You never run away from your responsibilities. If you're a a leader of your house, leader of your home, you don't run from your responsibility. You don't run from your difficulties. Do not run. You have an option to run. Don't be like every other half-hearted Christian and bolt at the first sign of a a bit of conflict. By golly. Leaders never run. Running away has some sounds to it. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Running away has a sound to it. Sometimes it's kind of like, well, where they're gone, the silence. They don't hear their voice anymore. They're not coming to church. They're not, they're not praying. They're not turning up. They've just run. They're not here. They're just vanished. Oh, I saw them here a minute ago. I saw them here last Sunday, but where they gone? They just disappeared. Where are they when their family needs them? Oh, they've run away. Where are they gone when it's come to do some mahi, when it comes to do some jobs? Oh, they're, they're gone. Where's it come when things got a little bit rough and a little bit tight? Oh, they ran. Where'd they run to? I don't know, they're just gone. We can't see them anymore. Leaders never run. Men of honor never run from conflict. Women of honor never run from conflict. Sometimes... Running away has a rejected voice or an offended voice. (laughs) Sometimes somebody running away has the sound of rejection with them. Oh, there's no love in this place. Oh, pastor didn't do this or didn't do that. Or they've picked up the offense of somebody else. Somebody else started to run because of their offense. And because they started running, somebody else said, why are you running? And said, well, Pastor Dave did this. Well, Pastor Dave did this. Well, somebody did this. Oh, well, we better run too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Keep running. (laughs) Keep running. Sometimes running sounds got a real spiritual voice to it. Here's, here's one I hear sometimes. I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, you're not. No, you're not. I can tell the sound of a religious spiritual voice that somebody puts on, something that sounds good word-wise, but in their heart I know that they're running as fast as they can for the hills. You can find, you can tell it. You can tell because people often mask their running with, with a spirit of religion. And waiting on God, and I know that waiting on God is a right term, but when it's waiting on God, but actually what they're really doing, 
is that bolting as fast as they can. I've been a pastor, I've been a, I've been a ministry for long enough to know I can hear the sound of running. Most of the time, it's got a real spiritual sound to it. But I can tell when somebody is waiting on the Lord and I can tell when somebody is waiting on the Lord. But actually running. I can tell when somebody is saying one thing, but actually in their heart, they're running somewhere else. They can't fool me. I've seen it, I've heard it. Sometimes... It's a reducing voice. Sometimes it's like, I'm free enough, or I've gone to enough courses, da, 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 da. and then they start to reduce, say, oh, this is too big. No, it's not, it's not big enough. You think 300 in this church is a full harvest? Absolutely not. My harvest, or every person in Hawke's Bay understands the reality of the power of God. There are those that come back as opportunists. Those people that run, one of the things you'll find that they'll come and they'll present themselves as opportunists. When the battle is over, when it's all done and dusted, oh, then they'll come back for a prophetic word. Then they'll come back and want a blessing. Then they'll come back. They'll be there in the shiny moments. But all they're doing is to come back and to pick the spoils. That's no honor. Don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people. Don't be somebody that runs in the heat of the battle. Don't be somebody that runs when, when responsibility comes. Don't be somebody that runs when things get a little tight and confrontational. Don't be somebody that runs when things start to flush up in your heart. By golly, I hunt you. There are people that are opportunists that'll come around. There are people that'll come to this church and they're just looking for opportunity, that's it. You can hear it in their voice. Looking for the opportunities, looking for the opportunities. I want to see where is your level of commitment? Where is your resolve to, to establish the harvest field for yourself? Yes, there is a place here for you to come and enjoy. But you won't carry the same honor as those who stand in the gap and hold on to the sword and don't run. There is something about not running and not quitting on your responsibilities, what God has entrusted to you. All of us are called to be mighty in our own way. There are different expressions to might. It starts in our heart with humility and repentance. The first place, the beginning of becoming mighty, is to humble yourself before God. A mighty God. Allow somebody, allow Him to speak into your life. Spend time praying and fasting. Allow somebody to speak in and shape your life. Starts in our heart with humility and repentance. Proverbs 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that rules his spirit better than he that takes a city. The first place as a man or a woman you can experience might is to rule your own heart, to rule your own emotions. Yes, I feel like running. Yes, I get intimidated. Yes, I get shaky. But I don't know what to do. But then at that time, I've got to humble myself, God, I need your strength inside of my life today. I hang on to your promises over my life. Even when those other amigos are starting to run. 
They're not turning up anymore. They got all sulky and their bottom lip just got... I'm not going to get like that. I'll hold on to your promises that you have for me. I'll get on my knees and cry out to the Lord. Lord, I worship you. You are a mighty God. The Bible says that they set themselves in the middle of the field, and I'm just running out of time at the moment. You have to set yourself. The Bible says these boys, they set themselves in the middle of the field. Don't be double-minded. Don't set yourself on the outside. Having a little pick here and there. They set themselves in the middle of the field, in the middle of where the action is. They set themselves. No one else set them. They set themselves. They made a decision. We are staying here until we get the whole lot. We're not going to stop at one or two or five. I'm going to clear the field. Somebody say, I'm going to clear the field. Set your heart, set your heart. You've got to set your house in order. Plan your time, finances. Don't be double-minded. There is more than one Philistine in your field. Eliezer kept going until his hand stuck to the sword. Don't quit at one, two, or 50. Keep going until you clear that field of all those Philistines. Just finishing up here, I wanna, and then I'm gonna uh, show you a little video. Two, the two men here, one, Eliezer. His name, the Bible says, his name means this. God has helped. God has helped. When you give your heart fully to Him, when you stay committed wholeheartedly and not run, God will help you. Interesting, when I started to look at this, this boy must have thought he was all alone in the middle of that field. But all of a sudden you find that this other man here, his name is Shammah. His name means desolate, waste, or astonishment in a bad, thing, in a bad context. He was from Agi, it means he was a fugitive. And he was also the son of a mountaineer. When I started to look at this, I thought, this boy probably not a pretty sight. Somebody who was a refugee, somebody who was a fugitive, somebody who was pretty messed up, somebody who certainly by all means wasn't perfect. But when he saw Eliezer in the middle of that field growing tired, the Bible says that he also stood with him. I don't care if your life ain't perfect. I don't care if you're still struggling, if you're not pretty on the outside. But by hokey, if you've got what it takes to stand in the middle, position yourself in the middle of the field with your brother or your sister and not run and not quit, you will be known for eternity as a man or a woman of honour. Sometimes God brings the most unlikely people to stand with you and fight with you. This old ugly coot over here that looks like a flipping mountain, but he's got a heart of gold and didn't quit. Not that person that came with all these seeing angels and preaching this and preaching that and the first sign of trouble, they have skipped him. Don't give up. When you know you can go further. I go, Love what he said. Initially, he thought he could only go 20, maybe 50, 50 yards with nobody on his back. But because he set his heart, 
He actually did the whole field and got to his trial line. He got to his end zone, carrying a 160-pound fellow on his back. He says, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. If you as a Christian, if you as a man, walk around defeated, rejected with a pooch mouth, so will your kids. So will the people that God has placed around you to to lift up. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I'm seeing. God has gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Can I count on you? I love that coach. Sounds like the voice of the Holy Spirit sometimes. Come on, don't quit. Come on, don't quit. You got further. You got more in you than that. Come on, don't go hiding in your little cave. There is much more of a field for you. Don't stop here. Why stop there when you can go right to the end zone? Why stop at 300 when you can get to a 10,000? Why stop at Hastings when you can got the whole nation? Why stop at here when I can go a whole bunch further? Why stop at this amount of freedom when I can walk into the fullness of what God has for me? Why do you fiddle around just mucking around? Friends, there'll be men here that right now at this moment, they've got their bottom lip hanging low in their home. Rejected or defeated in some way. Why don't you make an effort this week to go and get them and say, there is more in you than that you got. Don't you be walking around defeated like that. Don't you let that Philistine rob you of your harvest field. You make a decision to hold on to that sword. You make a decision to hold on to the promises of God that He has for your life, over your finances, over your family, over your marriage, over your emotions, over your internal life. You make a decision to fight for it. The Bible says that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Oh, by golly. There is so much more for us. There is so much more for you. Come on, why don't you lift your hands. Stand to your feet. Come on, lift your voice.
free this morning. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Philistine and you most likely are. I am. I've got a few left to go. But I'm not going to stop here. I am going to clear the, the field. Come on, tell somebody next to you, we're going to clear the field. We're going to clear the field. Don't stop at 10. Don't stop at 50. I'm getting to my trial line. Come on, I'm getting for my dry line. I want to bless you today. Have a fantastic friend. And, and friends, look, I promise you with all my heart, there is a harvest field that is full for you and for me and for us. Let's make a decision in our lives today. Let's not run when the rest of the crowd's running that way. You make a decision to stand strong. If somebody's offended, go get them out of their offense. Somebody's rejected, by golly, go and get them out of that cave. Put a sword in their hands and say, man up, put your big boy knickers on. All right. Go find somebody this week. You go get your try line. Bless you tonight in Jesus' name.